Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 116 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, it's been a fight. Well, actually, it's been almost a week since we've done an episode. And the reason why is because we originally did record a episode after the Clippers game, but there were some technical issues and we could we basically lost the file or I lost the file. Sorry about that, guys. And uh, yeah, so we're going to try and recap that game pretty quickly at the end of the episode. As of now, we're going to focus on the game that just happened, which is the preseason game against the Trailblazers. And of course, always with me to do these, Fong is here. Hello. Okay, well, let's uh, let's jump into it. Let's not try and take too long. Um, so first things first, Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, um, Ben McLemore, uh, Nasir Little, Tony Snell, and Co- Cody Zeller, I think, were out. And for the Kings, Halliburton, Heal, Thompson were all out for rest. Marvin was quote-unquote out with a sore knee, but uh, James Ham did report that it's not anything to worry about and that if it was a regular season game, he'd be playing. But since it's preseason, they'd rather just have him sit out if he's feeling a little sore on his knee. So the starters ended up being uh, Fox, Mitchell, Barnes, Harkless, and Holmes. Uh, well, let's hope uh, this isn't, you know, a recurring thing, but, you know, luckily Bagley's not, like, throwing down any major injuries anytime soon, so. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Oh. Yeah, hope. Anyways, yeah, there were some, some rumors, or some, some people were making jokes online that, you know, when guys sit out in preseason, or, you know, randomly just sit out in the middle of the season probably meaning a trade is coming i hope that's not the case because i see Halliburton's name on that list so hopefully that is not the case but as it stands right now it is preseason and they were out for rest okay well i did miss uh a first half of the first quarter i heard it was an ugly start to the game tell tell me more about it since you actually watched it uh yeah it's pretty much a slow start for both sides um both sides had their you know I guess you could say open shots doesn't go in uh, for especially uh, one person uh, Fox um, he didn't start real well he did get I believe two fouls uh, which equated to I think four points by the end of the first um, but as of uh, the end of the first he only had I think zero for six I believe if I remember correctly uh, and of course he had zero for two for a three point and like I said, I don't think he should be shooting that many free points, but you know, it's preseason. He could do whatever he wants. And he did. And you have mentioned that uh, uh, when we were watching the preseason game that, you know, it's, it is preseason. And uh, he's trying out new like uh, stuff to add to his arsenal for the regular season. So I guess we'll sh- we shall see if he actually utilizes it in the regular season. I'm actually trying to pull up the... Uh the preseason stats on ESPN for whatever reason it's really hard to um, so far I don't think he's missed a free throw so that that's something to kind of maybe look forward to he's 4 for 4 for this game so there's something there 
and yeah, he ended up two for ten, but I felt like he was trying new stuff, as you mentioned. Like, I don't think he's taking this all that seriously. Shocker, <laughs> but because <laughs> it is preseason, so I think he's just trying stuff to like basically get comfortable doing these things. Like he took a post up fadeaway, which was weirdly enough one of the shots he actually made. So yeah, I, I I'm not gonna worry too much about it, but I do I am interested. Uh, whether he can develop that mid-range or like some sort of pull-up game because that's going to be very important because he did have he was struggling against phoenix which just kind of packed the paint and he didn't seem to really know how to attack it effectively and uh we'll, we got to see going forward uh, oh yeah after that ugly start um davis comes in checks in and hits two threes um basically in a row and basically gets the team going and they basically got separation then that they never really lost for the rest of the game um another just random note i have len is showing some passing ability i feel like on the move it's not it's not you know Jokic levels but like he, he seems to like be able to hit the open guy cutting to the rim and that's uh, something I would keep an eye on uh, going forward. Uh, yeah, you could also, <clears throat> excuse me, say the same uh, for Holmes. Um, you know, Holmes didn't do so well with his uh, little uh, push shot in the paint, but uh, he did uh, net in three assists. And uh, yeah, he, some of his um, passes seem like really good passes, really good looks in some ways, even though. Uh, a couple of them, if I remember correctly, didn't uh, go in. It's like a corner pass to, I believe, I think it was Terrence Davis. I forgot, but uh, yeah, same with Holmes. We were seeing like a pass, really good passing team, I guess you could say. I mean, that's kind of one of the, like, it's with Fox is a better passer than Holmes, but like they kind of, I don't want to say, like, they're not black holes by any means, but they're definitely not natural passers and i'm glad that they are trying to work on this more because like at least for fox that was like the one thing i envisioned that would take him to the next level a lot of people compare him to jaw of course and jaw has that passing ability and you know we'll see if like fox can add that to his arsenal and rashad rashad is looking to add that because you can see like you know when he screens he catches it like in the free throw line and he kind of he kind of gets gets in a position where he's trying to look for the open guy and that will be a work in progress same thing with len like i'm i'm interested to see where this goes is he going to be a good short row passer now mm, i see oh well we'll have to see so far i mean most of the passes that uh i noticed throughout the first half and somewhat in the last half is uh like how is it hasty passes or you know like it like, like we've been saying it's preseason they're trying some stuff that's new i mean we're probably not gonna have this type of lineup uh, in the regular season we're probably just gonna go with the usual um box hopefully halliburton <laughs> if that rumor is not true uh barnes uh pretty sure Bagley done Holmes and uh, we'll see how that uh, lineup will go out okay uh, moving on to the second and third quarter there I don't have a lot of notes about this but Mitchell and Terrence Davis were hot in the first half um, they ended the quarter just like 11 for 16 from the field just those two Terrence Davis and Donovan, Donovan Davion Mitchell <laughs> 8 for 12 from 3 however the rest of the team kind of struggled 9 for 9 for 30 
uh, combined and over 10 from three. However, it, things did kind of slow down a little bit, uh, especially for Barnes was the guy I noticed in the second half. Like he started hitting shots. And again, this, you know, the separation that we got in like the first quarter, we never really let go. And um, yeah, um, other than that, uh, the other note I have is Dennis Smith was lighting up the uh, Kings. And, you know, it's good to see him be able to kind of come back. I even made a joke to you to like where I don't think he's really any good. And it seems to be a curse, and I should shut my mouth because uh, we'll get to it a little <laughs> bit later. Eric Bledsoe was really good for the Clippers when he played, and I thought he was done. Dennis Smith should, like really lit up the Kings by just like driving to the rim and hitting jump shots, which was really surprising. But the main takeaway I have from that is that it does worry me a little bit if the Kings are going to go up against you know many many elite guards. Like we, I have mentioned, like the first four games, the Kings are going to go through a gauntlet of point guards if dennis smith is gonna get buckets on like pretty much your rotation i know like the full starting lineup isn't there but it's i don't think they're gonna make that big of a difference and if and i think dennis smith could do it to them too like that's very concerning to me when you're going up against donovan mitchell when you're going up against dame when you're going up against chris paul steph curry like it does worry me you know, again, it is preseason, so like the energy might not be there, but particularly with Fox, which you know, like he's again, he's trying out new stuff, but he did have flashes. But like, if this is going to be the defense that worries me, yeah. And by the way, aren't we going to be playing the Portland Trailblazers in our very first regular season game? I, I think so, yeah. Let me actually just check the schedule really quickly. God damn it, I pressed the wrong well, button. Well, I mean, to go off of that, uh, yeah, if Dennis Smith is playing out there like how he was playing in the preseason against us, yeah, we might be in trouble because he was looking real nice, netting, uh, let's see, how many points? 18 points, 7 for 9, 2 for free from free point, and also 7 assists. So he was a team player out there. And uh, also... Oh, man, what was I about to say? I was about to say something about him. Um, well, and you know, I'll have you think about it, or you, yeah, you can think about what you're gonna say. Uh, yeah, we are facing the uh, Portland Trailblazers to start, uh, and then we're gonna face Utah, Golden State, and Phoenix, as I mentioned. The, again, the gauntlet of point guards. Um, so Kings better shore up their defense, or they're gonna be in for a rude, rude awakening. Oh yeah. Uh, next thing I want to quickly talk about. Kings were also giving up a lot of open threes. Luckily, the Blazers shot. What did they shoot for this game? God damn it. Lost six for it. 29 from three. Yes, yeah, six for 29 from three. And give me the percentage. 20.7%. So it's like, I mean, you ca Kings kind of got lucky with a lot of these just missed threes. That's another thing I'm kind of worried about. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, Davion has helped a lot with the defense and he was good. He was really good this game. He was the best player on the floor, basically. Uh, you know, the King, the Pete warning signs are there for the Kings defense to be kind of bad. I hope that's not the case. They're doing a lot of good things. I, I don't want to come off too negative on the Kings, but there are worrying signs. And, you know, like, you know, you might we might want to stay on the cautious side of optimism. 
um, for how this Kings de- Kings season is going to go, especially like with what we've seen on the defensive end. There's been a lot of good, but there are things that might wor- that should worry the Kings and Kings fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I just remembered what I was about to say. By the way, I'll go and ahead. I was I was gonna say that you know we haven't mentioned uh, a Kings killer in a while, and you know Dennis Smith and Anthony. Anthony uh, Simmons uh, could be those two guys uh, that could be the Kings killers for uh, our first game, especially, you know, that we have to go against Dame and uh, CJ for a starting lineup as well. I'm not going to be worried about them, honestly. I'm not worried about Anthony Simmons at all. I I don't, Mm -hmm. uh, and especially Dennis Smith, I don't think Dennis Smith is going to play much because you're going to have Dame and uh, CJ in the rotation. Yeah, I don't see dennis smith getting any minutes he might get a few but yeah maybe you can talk me into anthony simons but like we got more than enough to worry about with you know amos cj so mm-hmm. well what does see in the first game uh you know they might be a bit of a mess on their own like it's not they're not a defensive stalwart by any means and you know one thing i like to say about offense relating to defense sometimes the best defense is making the other team take the ball out of the net because they sure mm-hmm. as hell can't stop us either think oh yeah um last thing i want to mention uh there was a mini scuffle between terrence davis and dennis smith who were they were talking trash to each other by the end of the third it was getting like they went on a really fun one-on-one battle where dennis smith was hitting like i think he was did he has two threes at that point i think he had one three in a mid-range i don't know but he was pretty much on fire during the second half i would say yeah, to end to end the quarter, he hit, he hit like a jumper and um, Terrence Davis basically try and came back and missed a few shots, but ultimately hit a layup. And at, at the in the fourth quarter, um, I think yeah, Louis King gets a strip, and Terrence Davis is out in the break. Uh, Dennis Smith fouls uh, Terrence Davis pretty pretty hard. I I just consider it a hard foul. It didn't look like anything malicious. He's just kind of hacked down on him, like his arms. And Terrence Davis goes goes down to the floor with Dennis Smith, and they, you know, Terrence Davis kind of shoves him a little bit, and they start talking, and the, the refs went to review for a flagrant, which I thought was trash. Like, but it to me it was it was it, it I like it. Like, you know, there was nothing malicious, and Terrence Davis was not like just gonna take that shit, and he you know he was talking back, and you know, we I guess. Finally, you know, like the Kings, they're finally showing some fire. There's like we have those dogs that, you know, won't just let guys walk over them. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I see. Yeah. So that Go. those are my uh, observations. Anything else you want to quickly talk about? Oh, yeah. Towards the end of the fourth quarter, uh, last three minutes, uh, the Mayas kick. Is it the Mayas? Kata, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> checked in, and uh, even though he scored a, a nice uh, soft touch, uh, I guess shot from the baseline. Uh, other than that, I mean, I wish we see him more, but you know, we have too many centers now, so we'll see. I guess uh, if uh, you know, like you said, Tristan Thompson might get moved or any other guys, so we could make room for him, but. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm more, I'm more excited to see if uh, he'll become a part of the rotation anytime soon. 
No, I'm kind of holding back, just bursting out laughing. I'm sorry, he's not he's not going to be a rotation guy. Right. It's, he's going to mostly be in Stockton. Uh, he, just, you know, rookies usually just aren't ready for the NBA. They simply make too many mistakes for a coach to really play them, and especially a coach like Lou Walton who's going to try and win. Mm-hmm. Are gonna probably play, you know, his best players as much as he can. Like, no, he's not gonna play. You're, you're gonna have to tune in Stockton for that. Um, yeah. You know, even That's... even if Thompson gets traded, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any minutes. Like, you know, you stuff Damian Jones in front of him. So. Oh dear goodness, I forgot about him. So yeah, um, and, you know, and so I guess another kind of disappointing thing is that we didn't get to see much of Robert Woodard, and it's kind of just it. I mean, it's probably not a great sign. Like Louis King, Louis King's been good, and he's been playing probably in front of him, and rightfully so. Like I want to see what another year of development does for Robert Woodard. Of course, I'm not gonna see it because I'm sorry, I'm not gonna watch Stockton Kings much. So, you know, um, we'll see what what happens with those guys. Like Jemais Ramsey got a lot of minutes, and you know he looks he looks like he belongs. Like he doesn't seem completely out of place. Like Louis King looks really good, and like most of the kind of end of bench guys, like. You know, the Kings legitimately have about, you know, a good 10, 12 players as opposed to, you know, seven last year. So that's a really encouraging thing going into the season. And yeah, um, you know, one guy we haven't talked much about, uh, you know, Davion, like, you know, his his defense is, you know, it's been talked about a lot. He is locked down. He had one. He had a few possessions, like, you know, one possession where he completely locked up Anthony Simons, and then another one where Larry Sinance tried to post him up and try to back him down and ends up shooting a pretty ugly-looking shot. Like, Davion is a defensive stopper, but then on the offensive end, he is, like, the passing, I think, is a, is kind of a real thing. And what definitely is a real thing is three-point shooting. I think it's real. Six for nine from three this game and just looked automatic, great rhythm, great balance, just... Like, I don't know what the hell's going on with the free throw, and I don't think he's taking a free throw. No. Like, he, he might be one of those guys where, like, he does not shoot well from th- uh, from the free throw line, but for whatever reason, just shoots so well from three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it is how it is, but it's it would be nice to see uh, him shoot some free throws some, uh, from time to time, but, you know, you have mentioned during the game, it's probably not his game. But uh, yeah, kind of unusual bit from him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as it stands, it is just the preseason, but there are very good things. There are like a lot of good signs um, going mm. forward. Like oh, the yeah. defensive energy, like overall, looks a lot better. Um, but there are, you know, a few warning signs. Whether or not you want to take that into, like, if you want to take that that seriously, is up for debate. I. You know, I, I know I pointed out a lot of like the bad things again, giving up open threes, and the fact that a guy like Dennis Smith can light up the Kings the way he did, like worries me. But like, I think there is more positives than there are negatives. And again, you know, the um, first game is the, on the 20th, which is nine days away. Um, that's when we'll see, you know, a full, you know, a full force uh, Portland Trailblazers team, and. You know, that's when we'll kind of have have a better idea of what of what we have, uh, you know, for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts you have for this game before we quickly just move on to some extra topics? Mm, not that I could think of. Okay. Well, um, so one thing that did catch my attention 
uh, from James Ham. Uh, I was listening to D-Lo and KC, and basically, uh, at the earlier in the day, I think a Hollinger came out with an article, a John Hollinger of The Athletic, came out with an article where he basically talked about the, ex- uh, the rookies that are up for extensions uh, from the 2018 draft. And Marvin, of course, is one of them. Uh, another guy we'll get into a little bit later, or yeah, a few more guys that are eligible ext- or eligible for extensions, but haven't gotten them yet. And one of them was Marvin, and he basically has a has a math formula that calculates how much Marvin is worth, you know, depending on his production. And you know, Marvin simply hasn't produced uh, a lot, so the number is very low. You want to take a guess how much. He's got like how much John Hollinger projected him to earn each year, and uh, and I'll I'll give you the years. It's it's through it's through four years. Do you want to guess? Years? And do you want to guess how much per year he will make? Uh, I'm gonna guess. Oh, I'm gonna go low ball. I'm gonna say eight mil a year. What if I told you it was lower than that? Oh wow, jeez. Uh, five. That's five million dollars a year, oh, 20 wow. million over four years. But do you know what else is lower? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What else is lower? The chance of him taking that deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I, so um, James Ham on D'Lo and Casey said, t- brought this up and also brought up the fact that the Kings, there have been no, he, he basically asked around the King's staff and, you know, his contacts, there have been no extension talks at all between the Kings and Marvin. Ooh. I, I kind of feel bad for him, but, you know, like you said, he hasn't produced much. He's been injured a lot. And, man, it doesn't... That number does not feel good if I were in his shoes right now. No, it does not. And again, it, it, the main, the I guess the thing that really sucks is that it's nobody's fault. Like it's not his fault. It's he just simply has had really bad luck with injuries, and it's not the Kings' fault because, you know, like the Kings don't get don't injure him or anything. It's just, just kind of, you know, again, bad luck. And he has shown flashes, but it's not kind of flashes that you're willing to put that much money on. So honestly, like a $20 million extension, that's a low amount. I think you can go up to around 30 for over four. I wouldn't mind that. Like, as you mentioned, like eight mil a year, like with, you know, whatever raise, whatever percentage raises. Mm-hmm. Like if he wants to secure that money right now, like it's not the worst option. I would recommend probably a shorter term deal just so like he can probably like prove himself over the next few years and just yeah. have a little bit of financial security. As it stands, like there aren't that like things are looking kind of grim for Marvin and the chances of him staying on the Kings. Although it like along with another guy we'll talk about, like his value around the league is very low. Ain't nobody really want to give up anything for Marvin to the point where it's worthwhile for the Kings to actually trade him. So chances are, I think he stays on this team, but I don't think he's, he's here for long unless like he decides to sign some sort of short extension. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll be willing to give some, I guess, incentives in there. You know, if he it does improve or 
continues to stay healthy and plays an X amount of games, I, I think his uh, wages could go up a little. I mean, you know, I'm not the GM that makes the contracts, but I I, I want to still say I believe in Marvin, but it's it's been a little too long for comfort for us now. Well, as it stands right now, the vibes are still positive. Let's not kill the vibes just yet. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, would you be willing to give him the Michael Porter Jr. extension? <laughs> There's incentives in there. You know, it, you know, if he doesn't hit them, you only pay him 172. Let's see, 172 over five years? Is over what? five years. It, Michael if you want Porter to do that Jr. math. If you want to do that math, sure. But it, yeah, like, no, I'm not paying him that. But I, I mean, no. honestly, I wouldn't pay Michael Porter Jr. that, to be honest. But yeah, that's, I'm not the Denver front office. And maybe they know something I don't. So, yeah, yeah maybe. Well, uh, moving on from that, we let's tease it a little bit earlier. But uh, a guy that's also, you know, who's basically on the trading block. You know, his team does it. His team, his future with the team is, to say the least, uncertain. And they are basically at a stalemate currently in terms of what to do with him. And that's Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so uh, a little bit of an update, which I thought was just hilarious. Uh, it, Woj, Woj tweeted out that uh, Ben Simmons today had arrived in Philadelphia to take a COVID test. And this... This was tweeted out during the Sixers game, mind you. And so the, the tweet the tweet was sent out, and apparently he arrived um, just before the tip-off of Nets versus uh, Sixers. And he went into the arena, I believe is the Wells Fargo Arena. Is it? I don't remember, but Wells Fargo Arena. And he basically took a COVID test, and I think he just dipped out uh, as far as the reporting goes. What was really funny was... Apparently, no one in the Sixers knew knew he was there. Apparently, they only found out, like, during tip-off. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's something between him and the Sixers, I guess, so... Uh. Yeah, and the reporting also today was that, um, basically, Rich Paul, which is, uh, if you guys don't know, is... Uh, Ben Simmons' agent. He's also the agent for LeBron, KCP, mm -hmm. and some and some other really high-profile guys. Anthony Davis as well. Um, so you see, prob probably see kind of the link there. Um, so he basically, there was reporting that he's been in contact with uh, the Sixers on basically, basically they've been talking about um, moving through a process of having Ben Simmons report, basically report to the Sixers. And the speculation uh, is that, you know, uh, originally, basically Ben Simmons doesn't want to lose money is kind of the summary of it. Uh, ben Simmons has already been fined and some of his money has been withheld from him from, for not reporting to camp. So this is probably just <laughs> this reporting to camp, right? Reporting to the Sixers right now is probably just so he can get his money back. <laughs> and we'll see if he plays another game in Philly. I mean, uh, scrolling through Twitter, I don't, I don't think he's gonna play, <laughs> and uh, for the Sixers ever again. Um, but it is a hilarious situation, and uh, I think that, I think this is gonna get even worse because, uh, speak, you know, talk about more reporting today. Apparently, uh, 
think it, I don't I don't know which side initiated the talks, but there was talk about CJ uh, trading CJ McCollum to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. But uh, apparently the Sixers want three draft picks, three pick swaps, and CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons. Uh, no, 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 no. That's that's ridiculous. I really hope that <laughs> Neil O'Shea just I, I either just told Daryl Morey to go fuck himself or some sort of that and just hung up the phone and basically just blocked him <laughs> because what the fuck three draft picks I, I mean that's ridiculous enough as it is and three more pick swaps that's six that's basically six draft picks mind you Drew Holiday went for went for five and what's his face Harden went for four so it's like what is i i get that you want to recoup value and sure ben simmons normally his value should pretty pretty much be that high but you got to come back down to reality at some point that no one wants to do <laughs> well not no one wants to do no one wants to give up anything for the dude and you know as the as the saying goes, your house is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. You know, stealing from a, a saying from James Ham, and ain't nobody want to pay that much for your house right now. So you're gonna just have to take whatever comes to you. Ah, man, yeah. Hopefully, I don't know. By the time the trade deadline ends, I, I really, I really do want to see how much Ben Simmons, you know, I guess theoretically cost uh depending on if he gets traded or not uh by the end of that deadline but uh yeah he's he's not worth that much definitely i'd say man at this point two picks <laughs> included <laughs> two picks included is what his value is in my opinion i mean hey if that jump sh if, those, if those jump shot videos from instagram are real you know might, might be worth six traffics. It feels like he's been doing that for years, though. Hey, maybe, maybe this is the year. You know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, bring the positive vibes. Still, I, I still wouldn't pay six traffics for Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. Like, there's been so many reporting of like his work ethic and his mentality. It, it worries. It's, I mean, I would, I would definitely try and trade for him if I were the Kings. I just don't want to give up Halliburton, Mitchell, or Fox. You know, it's like. I'll give you three, four draft picks. I don't care. Like the draft picks are whatever to me nowadays. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you can have Heal, you can have Marvin, you can even have Tristan Thompson. I'll take those guys if you want. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm okay with keeping our young core. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well. Uh, so let's quickly, I guess, recap the Clippers game. So uh, this, again, we originally recorded an episode, but this the file kind of got, you know, I guess got corrupted. I, we could not, some, something went wrong with it, and uh, I don't know what the issue is. But um, we're just going to quickly kind of go through it. It was actually an hour, like an hour long episode. We just, com we just completely ramble on and on, so maybe it's good thing it kind of glitched out but um but main takeaways from that game uh you know like davion is really good on defense Halliburton's passing has really kind of like gotten better he is the tape he is going to be the table setter for the kings and 
he's probably going to be the point guard going forward with Fox being probably the combo guard, honestly. And like Fox, I like Fox, there was some interesting, there was some really intriguing moments of him like attacking like Luke Kennard and just being a beast and no one on the Clippers can stop him. But there are just, there are, a, I just, I want him to be better on defense. And I feel like he coasts way too much on that end. And also on offense, he definitely picks his spots. But it's the same thing I said last year. I'm not sure if the Kings are good enough for him to actually pick his spots. Unless, like, you know, Halliburton continues to get better at just being that table setter. Like, I'm, I'm just, like, I want to see a bit more intensity from him. But, again, it is preseason. Um, as I mentioned, Davion plays some good defense. He actually had a pr few really good possessions on just guarding Paul George as the primary defender. Um, you know, he's he's definitely as advertised. And, uh, yeah, what, what, what did, what did you want to quickly go over? I'll let you talk for a bit. Mm -hmm. I want to say that at least this game for De'Aaron Fox, uh, against the Clippers, uh, he did well, pretty, uh, yeah, he did well offensively, I would say. Uh, again, he did try hitting five frees, which he made three of, uh, which is a little too much for my comfort, but you know can't say anything plus it's preseason of course like you have said uh other than that um yeah we were you know, trying to uh, again a lot of lineups uh changes and to see uh which one uh, fits best with uh our system and you know kind of <laughs> each lineup we bring out throughout this preseason uh stint is uh, a little confusing <laughs> i kind of want to see like keep it simple and you know see just what our you know normal regular lineup uh, will fend off and uh we'll just pick and choose from our uh, bench unit and uh, just match whatever i guess the opposing bench uh, will bring out i mean we, we talked about it on the original episodes like i think Luke is really trying to experiment like what his best lineups are because right now if you look at the roster there's a lot of guys kind of on that same level I guess like I don't know how to explain it but like last year's Hawks like you had a lot of guys that are really good players and it, it was pretty unclear like you know the middle of that rotation was like a lot of guys that are about the same level of player I feel like, you know, it's a kind of a, you know, with different kinds of players, but like they have the same kind of issue. Like, is Buddy better, better than Terrence Davis? Is Tristan Thompson more effective than, uh, what's his face? Uh, Rashawn Holmes. Like, it, maybe Alex Len can, can give you better minutes at the five. Like, it, the Kings have a lot of these guys that they probably just need to kind of shuffle around just to see who can kind of like be most effective in that role. And also, like, Clippers have a weird lineup. Like, they had Batum basically playing the four. Uh, I think, uh, what's his face? Uh, Paul George at the three, Terrence Mann at the two, and Eric Bledsoe at the one. And then with Zubac, it's a, basically a small ball lineup. And they, we we ended up starting Harkless and Barnes together with Halliburton and Fox with Thompson at center. That was a little bit weird. Like, I get where I get where Luke is going. He's probably just trying to experiment. And again, as we said, it's preseason. You might as well experiment a little bit and, you know, to kind of prepare, you know, just take notes and see see what happens. Like, just throw shit out there. That's basically what it was. And, I mean, it kind of worked. Like, you know, Ch Thompson was pretty good on Zubach and 
this our version of small ball is that i think i think that can be a very interesting lineup with playing both barnes and harkless I could see, yeah. I could see that. Instead of Bagley, I mean, what am I saying? Uh, have Bagley come off the bench, you're saying? I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Like, again, yeah. against a team like this, where they're, like, small throughout, like, it's not the worst idea. Like, again, Batum is at the four. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very, it's ultra lanky guys. And, like, you know, Lord knows, you, you might want to play this against the Jazz because Rudy Gobert can, can't can abuse little guys for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hell, if we if we, do, if we use this line, we might be the Jazz in a playoff series for all we know. So. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of kind of the Jazz, you know, beating the Jazz in a playoff series, like, Terrence Mann, like, you, you want to quickly talk about, you know, you were there at Game 6 <laughs> um, when the Clippers closed out the Jazz. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, that first half was not looking good, let's just say. But man, that man, look at that man go. Because, my gosh, he just lit up the Utah Jazz. Just shooting. Oh, man. I forgot what he shot that game. but he Six for ten. Yeah. And he ended with, like, what, 37 points? 39, if I remember right. Ooh, 39? Yeah, he, he was going off. And to be honest with you, first half all the fans were like groaning and they weren't faithful enough but you know i sat through that game and i was lucky to sit through that full game because it was probably one of the loudest i've ever heard uh any uh game i've been to because you know as a kings fan we've never been in playoffs or never been quite this loud i'd say because it was a it was a crazy game yeah, and I I happened to catch the fourth quarter of that game, and like I just remember, like man, Terrence Man is a <laughs> open a lot, and he just kept hitting it. And I will I will defend the Jazz a little bit. Like if you had just said before that game, like you know we're gonna you know if we're gonna let Terrence Man beat us, and if he beats us, that's okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, he he destroyed you guys, and. That's kind of how it is, and you know, not not to take away from guys like PG and Reggie Jackson. Like Reggie Jackson just went at Rudy Gobert, and it's just like, man, Rudy Gobert looked really bad at certain points. But I mean, it's not. I don't think it. I think he gets too much of the blame for losing that series. It's not like anybody was playing any defense that, you know, that game on the Jazz. Like, it wasn't his fault. But yeah, like, Terrence Mann was amazing in Game Six, and he's basically taking that like confidence and kind of brought into this season like he was really good like you know he he kept he drew a lot of fouls on the on the kings and like he was also like creating shots we had marvin on him because the clippers just love playing small and he just ran around a bunch of screens and you know marvin did as well as he could but like you know terrence man was just kind of putting him through the blender and he had some really like nice finishes over thompson and just some really grown man like finishes over big guys like he's gonna be really good for for the clippers this season oh yeah i can't i can't wait but you know not clippers podcast so we're gonna continue talking about the kings i guess uh, just want to quickly shout out Harry Giles. He had a mon- he had a really monster game. Like he had, you know, like some really nice passes. Like I I hope he really makes I hope he makes the rotation by the way. Like he's got something. Like he pl- and then he played he had a 
mean block on Tristan Thompson. That was a foul, but you know, like a mean block, like on Tristan Thompson that kind of like you know lit uh, was called ignited the crowd and got the team going. Um, uh, up until Buddy hits uh, basically two back-to-back threes and kind of uh, like basically created separation that the Kings never looked back from. And yeah, let's talk about Buddy a little bit. Buddy was pretty terrible <laughs> throughout the game. <laughs> yeah. I think he was 0 of 6 from 3, I think just in the first quarter, I believe. Sounds it, about right, yeah. Yeah, he's jacking shots, and he has moments where he's an absolute microwave. As I mentioned, he, he basically started the run that the Kings never looked back from. But there are just moments where, like, he's definitely open. But there is just kind of there's a guy who's kind of in the vicinity who kind of breathes his way and it will throw him off just enough for him to miss shots. But there are just some times where he's completely automatic, particularly in transition. His transition threes are just his thing. That's his shit. And it it just seems like, you know, with Buddy, it just feels like he's just never consistent enough anymore. And, you know. And then you also have like Terrence Davis, who can kind of do the pretty much the exact same thing that Buddy did in that same run. Like Terrence Davis also hit some threes that really blew the game open. Oh, you know, uh, granted it was against like the the Clippers' like third guys, like who never play. Uh, but like the, we have two, we have like three just like crazy microwave guys coming off the bench, and like along with Davion, like Davion also caught fire a little bit, but. Like, just, you know, going getting back to Buddy, it's just going to be hard to justify playing him too much if he's going to be this inconsistent. Like, sure, he can go on a run like nobody nobody else can, but well, there's two other guys that can act also kind of just catch fire, which is Davion and Davis. And I feel like those guys are more, are more dynamic and, you know, arguably more consistent than Buddy. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for Buddy if he's not going to be more consistent. Yeah, it's the sad truth, but you know, you think uh, you would be willing to give uh, Davis more minutes over Buddy if uh, it's during the regular season? I mean, it'll, it'll be a game, a game-to-game basis type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you can deploy Buddy in, in, in spurts and just. Like, you know, let's just say you're kind of getting into the groove of things, like maybe the offense just isn't running smoothly. You know, get Davion in there, get Buddy in there. <laughs> Hell, you know, add in Davis in there. That's another, like, three-guard lineup you can run, and that's a that's three microwave guys, and you just hope one of them catches fire and just kind of, like, breaks the Kings out of their rut. Mm. Oh, yeah, I see. Uh, last note I have for this uh, game, Brandon Boston of the Clippers. Like, he's going to be really good. I, I looked at him. At, I don't know if him and BJ Boston are the same guy. Fuck, I should have researched this. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 remember, I remember one of the Bostons I really liked in the draft. But this one, this one of the Clippers, he's going to be really good. He's a tall wing who has a shooting stroke. And, you know, when the game was over, of course, but like the when the game was over, he was lighting it up from threes. I think he had like two or three threes in a row and kind of got the Clippers fans uh, going, even though they were down 10. Like, you know, they, they went crazy after like they got it within single digits. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll uh, make it through the rotation, to be honest, maybe as a bench player. And probably not this season. Again, like the coaches don't like to play rookies just because they make a lot of mistakes. 
and I don't know if like Tyloo's gonna do do that that much this season. I and like without Kawhi, like you, you know, if Paul George also misses like a, a some sort of time, like it's gonna be rough for them, and they might end up in the play-in area. Mm, I see. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't think they're gonna fuck around too much like grinding boston probably ends up in the g league like a little bit just to kind of refine his game and maybe he comes back by the end of the season who knows mm-hmm. okay well let's get into kind of the other news uh so we're gonna we're gonna actually go over the news from you know a week ago which we went over uh in the previous episode and then we're gonna talk a, a little bit more about one more thing and it's gonna be about fong's favorite sport but we'll get to that in a bit Uh, okay so frank mason signed a training camp deal with the lakers um any thoughts i mean good for him i mean i i hope like i said any anyone who comes from the kings i hope for the best whether or not they stay with us or move out from the kings and uh, go to a different team and i just hope that uh most of them find a place in the nba or you know someplace in overseas where uh, they can utilize their skills for their designated team. And luckily, Frank Mason landed something, at least. But, you know, training camp deal, uh, it's probably not long-term, but at least he, he got something, I guess. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, on the original episode, I actually said he had no chance of probably making the roster. But with injuries to Trevor Reza and Taylor Morton Tucker... We're going to be out for an extended period of time, it seems like. At least 12 games, I think, for both of them. Like, I know Frank Mason's not a wing by any means. But like, the Lakers are going to need guys. So, Frank Mason has a chance to make the roster, and I hope he finds success. You know, I don't know if... I haven't seen him play. I don't know if he's, like, you know, any good. But, like, you know, they, you know it just seems like LeBron James is really... I want to say horny ball handlers but like he, he really is thirsting for more ball handlers for some reason <laughs> okay and that's okay that's unusual yeah well, well we'll see about that i think he actually i think you know changing my opinion because of new information uh you know i think i think he will make the roster oh that'll be interesting to see okay okay um so uh, last week, there was talks about uh, DeAndre Ayton wanting an extension, and he wants the max extension. The one that Trey Young got, the one that Luka Doncic got, and the one that Michael Porter Jr. also got, but, you know, he has incentives, but it's basically the same kind of contract. 207 over five years, and uh, on the, you know, I just want to ask you, do you think he's worth it for the Suns? <sighs> no that's definitely a way too much in my opinion i would say ooh, maybe t- around the 20 per year mark what about if i okay so with with how cap space works let, let me know if you change your opinion how cap space works there isn't that big of a difference if you pay him 25 million a year or 35 million a year because of how cap space works the only real difference is that robert sarver has to pay more luxury tax uh-huh. so like there really isn't that big of a difference it's like you said 20 20 25 million 
there isn't that big of a difference because you still won't have any cap space at the at the end of the day because of how uh, again how cap how the cap sheet works how the cba works like you have you might have a like if you can get him somehow to take a 20 million dollar per year deal like you might have some extra cap space that you can use to sign but like with if they are just simply operating over the cap they can have like they can use some exceptions to sign guys to like say eight million dollar eight million dollar a year or something like that so there is a so would you does that change your opinion of whether or not he's worth the max mm-hmm. i guess sure i mean for a player of his caliber since uh you know him changing out his uh playing style to fit um the current team eh. we have actually we did talk about it in the previous episode uh that uh you know he does fit this team and you know you don't want to ruin this chemistry so i guess you know i guess might as well you know yeah originally i'm very squeamish on just like him on a supermax he doesn't come off as a supermax guy to me like again, Trey Young and Luka Doncic, those guys are pillars of their. Those guys are like the the central pillar of their of their teams. And I, you know, as much as I like Michael Porter Jr., I honestly thought he was going to be on like a ten million dollar per year deal just because of his injury history. But hey, the, again, the Denver just decided to pay him the supermax with with incentives to hit the supermax. But like, you know originally when i heard the 207 i originally said no he's not worth that but then taking into factor that again if you just pay if you just end up paying him 25 million dollars a year it doesn't really matter because of how cap space works as i mentioned but then uh, i was listening to uh the basketball buds talk about it and they were talking was it the basketball buds have been another podcast i don't remember but uh, i was listening to the athletic one of the athletic shows and they basically talk about if you don't pay uh if you don't want to pay him the money if phoenix just decides we're not you're not worth that amount that might irk you know deandre ain't a little bit and that might affect his buy-in into the system and as you mentioned like you know he he really bought into the system last year and you know he he really bought into his role and just simply did what he was told like you know he was basically like the best version of like the role man a modern day big how a modern day big should play sets set good screens you know roll to the rim and catch the ball like just those three things and he did that incredibly in the playoffs and it basically it was he was key to them getting to the finals and that and that kind of buy-in like if you mess if you say like oh you're not a max player like that's going to affect his mindset going into going into this season and it might screw up your entire team and what what was like you know a finals level team might not be one anymore and then there's maybe a cascading effect like miles bridges is also up for an extension like what what does he think he's worth and are you willing to match his number like it, it's it's a tough there's a there's a lot more to the there's a lot more of a human element to these kinds of decisions other than just the number and you know ultimately I, like in a vacuum he's not a supermax guy again he's nowhere near as good as luca he's nowhere near as good as trey young but to the suns he is worth that supermax and you might as well pay him the supermax anyways just to kind of keep that thing going 
Although the another thing like that made me a little bit squeamish about paying the supermax is that I don't think the Suns are gonna make the finals this year. I just don't. <laughs> like, uh, even yeah. if even if like Aiden kind of buys in, like uh, unless they improve significantly somehow, like you know, let's just say Aiden adds a, adds an extra mid range jumper to his game, like that changes a lot. And maybe and at that point, yeah, he's probably worth a supermax. And they and the Suns very much very well could make the finals again and possibly even win the finals. Like, at that point, what can you say when they win championships? You can't say anything about anything when, you know, when teams win championships. So, yeah, but as it stands right now, I don't think he is, I don't think they should, I honestly don't think they, they, they should pay it. But the, the Athletic has kind of talked me into that he should, probably should be paid the Supermax. Eh, I see. Yeah, I mean... They haven't uh, made any agreements yet, huh? No, they're probably like Ain is probably dead set on it, and chances are, you know, Robert Sarver is one is notorious for being a cheap sack of shit, basically. And yeah, he probably doesn't want to pay that luxury tax. But they already, I mean, Devin Booker is gonna be up for a supermax extension soon. Jesus, oh, and I'm that time. And, and he's taught and like no, he's not the rookie max extension. That's the super super max extension. That's the yeah, Giannis yeah, yeah. extension. Yeah. Extension. So, you know, his deal is coming up. Miles Bridges, as I mentioned, is coming up. Cam Johnson is coming up next year. And then you just pay money to Chris Paul. Like was it was a hundred million over three years or something like that, or over four. I don't remember. Ah, so, a lot of money and. I get the squeamishness, but you, I cannot feel bad for for a billionaire, especially for an asshole like Robert Sarver, who basically screwed Steve Nash <laughs> during his prime because he because he was being a cheap fuck. So, yeah, I, I think they should pay it. You got money, Robert. <laughs> yeah, make it work, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, moving on this. This was basically the biggest uh, topic of last week and has actually kind of uh, whittled into this week and we'll get to why. Uh, so Kyrie Irving has, is basic. It's basically come out. He's probably not going to get the vaccine anytime soon. And the Nets are actually preparing to just straight up play home games without him and, the, and basically preparing for him to be a part time basketball player. Now, la- last week we talked about Andrew Wiggins and he and how he wasn't willing to take the vaccine. Well, he decided to take the vaccine once it kind of, once basically he realized he's gonna be missing half of his paycheck. But Kyrie is a different kind of dude. He ain't, it, seem, it seems like he's not worried about that money at all. He's willing to actually do this for his own personal beliefs. And yeah, it seems like they're going to go forward without him in home games because he's unwilling to get vaccinated. <sighs> Jeez. I, mm. How many games is he gonna be playing? Like He's only gonna be play. He's only gonna play road games. So forty-one games. Oh, oh. oh man. I mean, he's not gonna be missing much, to be honest. If uh, you know, if Harden's healthy, Durant's healthy. Uh, but uh, I'm wondering how it will fend off when it comes to the playoffs. So that's that's kind of the wild card. Like we, there's no guarantee that this restriction for New York, uh, 
yeah, New York, San Francisco, and I think LA now. Like, we don't know how long this restriction is even going to stay in place. Is it going to stay throughout the year? Like, it's very possible that it could just possibly lift in the middle of the season and Kyrie can play home games again. Uh, and it did come out that, um, that Kyrie is allowed to practice with the team in Brooklyn. So there's that. So he can practice. And, you know, Lord knows, like... <laughs> For all we know, like that, Kyrie can get vaccinated in the middle of the season. Maybe he just changes mind randomly. Like, I, like who who knows how Kyrie thinks? But like, uh, you know, we we talked about it at length, but we'll I'll cut we'll kind of break. We'll, I'll just kind of um, summarize it. I I think it's a very selfish thing for for um for Kyrie to do this personally. I'm not gonna get into that too much, but like I think it's also very selfish of him to do this as a professional as well. Because you are actively being a pretty bad teammate, like a, a awful teammate, actually. Like this, just say, "Oh, I'm only gonna play half the games," and you know there are gonna be games like they they're probably gonna need they probably could use Kyrie on at home against like say a Milwaukee Bucks or like a you know another Eastern Conference or you know even Western Conference final, say the Lakers or something. And mm. Kyrie's just not gonna be able to play because he just he just has very strong beliefs against the vaccine and you know whatever personal reasons he has fine like i'm okay with you know if you're if you have some personal concerns about it but when you're actively hurting your team like this i'm not the biggest it's hard to even it's hard to really defend anything like at, at this point like again you're getting paid a ton like tens of millions of dollars even though half of his paycheck is gonna be cut but like you know you're getting paid this much money to pay to play basketball and you're actively refusing to do your job or you know to adhere to the rules so that you can do your job properly yeah man i mean to be honest it makes every every eh, everything easier if everyone gets a vaccine but you know uh, i mean what can you do i guess uh, actually, what is the percentage of uh, NBA players that are vaccinated right now? Is it close to 90? I'm hoping. Last, the last uh, number that I saw was 95. So after the, so there was, so it did came out like right before the Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie fiasco. Like mm -hmm. it was 90%. Ever since like Andrew Wiggins also got vaccinated, it jumped up to about 95. Was the last time I saw oh. like a number being posted. Okay. Um, there are other guys. I don't know about the Bradley Beal situation. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Isaac is hasn't gotten vaccinated because he's been pretty, he's been pretty uh, like vehemently kind of like not wanting to get the vaccine. Like he's pretty strong on his position, and I mean it is what it is. Like at least it's not affecting his team professionally. It's a personal choice on his end. But with Kyrie's unique situation, I feel like just getting the vaccine would be just so much easier. <laughs> but Again, his own personal choice. If if he if his if his teammates are okay with it, then that's fine. Like, you know, I can't we can't judge him. Like, that's that's his choice. If the team is okay with it, so be it, I guess. And you know, one one more thing about Kyrie and even like Andrew Wiggins. From what I've heard, they're great people. Like this this is not us trying to trash Kyrie and Andrew Wiggins as people. Like they're great people. We happen to, you know, we had, like the public and us as well. Like just disagree with their vaccine stance. It's their own personal beliefs that have also kind of bled into, you know, the sport we love so much. And you know, like Kyrie does a lot of charity work. And you know, 
it, unfortunately, all his kind of off-court and just random stuff, like weird stuff that comes out about him, like does take away from the fact that he is a great person and an absolutely brilliant basketball player. Like I remember, like when he originally signed with the Brooklyn Nets, and like KD also like signed. Like there was so much talk about them fostering toxic ass environments and being. I you know I don't you know I don't mean this word like you know literally and as viciously as it sounds they 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 were they were seen as cancers to their team <laughs> so and like we were basically waiting for the situation to blow up but then like Kyrie started playing basketball in the year that KD was injured and we saw just how unbelievably brilliant he was and then like when KD came back as well like oh my god these guys are just so good at basketball and it just sucks that they're always encapsulated in bullshit like this <sighs> yeah, it's it's too bad, but hmm. I don't know how do I uh, I don't know what to say. It's like I'm wondering how the Nets players feel about this stance because this is this could be pretty major for them, and uh, I don't think I've heard any news about uh, their thoughts about uh, how they thought about uh, the Kyrie situation is. I mean, they're mostly giving vanilla answers. It's just like you know. Kyrie's personal choice and you know you know we won't we'll never really know what their thoughts are and there there aren't any quote-unquote sources that are saying like Kevin Durant and like James Harden are unhappy so like again I like Andrew Wiggins he's gotten vaccinated but like before that like all the news that came out was like you know teammates love him (laughs) like he's a great guy behind the scenes like never hurt never hurt nobody never kind of like piss off anybody anyone like just a great just a great teammate great person you know just happens to have a differing opinion and i think it's kind of the same thing with Kyrie. like you know the the entire boston fiasco was really ugly (laughs) when it happened but it you know he seems to be still in good spirits with his former teammates like you know they they kind of say hi you know between games it doesn't seem like there's any like straight animosity going on so Mm -hmm. i assume that Kyrie is a good person behind the scenes like yeah I, I don't I, I don't want to trash him and I don't I think like you know Twitter trashing him like whether rightfully or not like it does take away from the other good parts of Kyrie which is how good he is at basketball and he is a very good person behind the scenes from with some weird beliefs oh yeah and also just just to quickly go over uh just so I I flew out a conspiracy theory that you do not approve of and my basically just random conspiracy theory was just that maybe Kyrie's trying to even the playing field because honestly with the three-headed monster that they have they're basically absolutely unbeatable even when healthy and with with without Kyrie in the picture like just with Harden and KD they're probably still the favorites anyways so like honestly this might not even matter at all and especially if Kyrie gets the vaccine in the middle of the season like it really won't matter at all and even if he doesn't get the vaccine, they still probably are like tight favorites to win the title, anyways. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, galaxy I brain, that. galaxy brain theory. Maybe he's just trying but, to even the playing field for the rest of the league. But you know, why not try for the, you know, history-making 82 and 0 season? How about trying for that? 
Well, I don't think they're gonna get it even with characters, to be honest. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna try hard enough for that stuff. I just, it's hard to win 82 games, you know? Like, after you, like, we, we saw with, like, the Warriors and even, like, the Miami Heat earlier last decade, like, like once it gets around 20, everyone's so hyped to beat you. They start hitting crazy-ass shots. They're just so excited, and you just have a giant target on your back. It's mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. And, you'll, and then you'll just get kind of randomly beaten by not a bad team like the, the Miami Heat got beaten by the Bulls without you know Noah and I think Boozer no without Noah and I, I forgot who wasn't playing but basically they didn't even have their, all their guys like that game and they beat the beat the Heat at I think 27 at 27 and 1 and then like randomly in 2016 the Warriors just lost against the Bucks before Giannis was the superstar that he was just randomly it, it just happens and yeah i don't think they want that target on their back anyway so yeah oh yeah okay and then now that we got that out of the way um let's talk about your favorite sport the sport that you very tightly keep up with let's talk about some wrestling oh. um, <laughs> okay so you went to friday night smackdown um yes, tell I us did. about it it was real good. I'd say it's one of the best shows I've, like, you know, best, um, I guess, regular shows between Raw and SmackDown that I've been to uh, live in a long while. Uh, it's nice to see, you know, Edge and, you know, that beginning segment um, with uh, Bel Air, Sasha, and uh, Becky Lynch. Uh, man. That was. A, <laughs> I just yeah, call, I, I call him Becky Becky McConnor now because that that's what that's what that gimmick is. He's basically dressing up like Connor McGregor. Yeah, uh, but seeing you know Belair just you know use uh, Becky to kick Sasha onto the table and just flip Sasha not flip Becky onto Sasha onto the table. That was a crazy segment. Uh, seeing live, especially. Uh, other than that, yeah, good to see Roman Reigns uh, up to par. I was actually hoping for Brock Lesnar to come out, but he didn't. So, uh, what else was there? Yeah, other than that, the whole show I'd say was a pretty good show. Uh, and yeah, hopefully this will keep me watching some WWE. But I, yeah, you have your doubts, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think. I don't know if you can hear it. I rolled my eyes really hard when you said I'm gonna watch wrestling from now on. So, yeah. The one thing I'm surprised is that we're not gonna go see Raw <laughs> when it comes down to Sacramento. So, I just, I don't, I just, I don't want to make the trip out there. Raw's been shit for a while. It, it's, I, I don't think this is gonna break the streak. Um, anyways, um, so I guess my main takeaway, like, I, I mean, I, you know, Roman is amazing. How was his entrance, by the way? Oh, he, I think he was the only one that had pyro. <laughs> I mean, he had double the pyro, actually. It was like, uh, he entered with, uh, you know, fireworks coming out. Then, uh, there was a commercial and, you know, the family is sitting in the ring waiting for the commercial to end and more pyro came out so yeah he he had doubled the pyro he's making those big bucks i guess i mean i, I watched the show just so, just so i can talk with you about it like i, I mean it, it was overall i think a good show wrestle talk ranked it really badly because they, oh, did, really? they did not like the show um 
And I, I don't fully agree with them. Although I, I'll be honest, I kind of skimmed through the show, so maybe, uh. maybe like the show didn't drag on as much. But like, I guess two main things I didn't like. I, I, I was really bummed out about uh, Liv Morgan losing. Um, mm. I'm, re- I'm really into Liv Morgan now. I don't know why. Maybe it's something about her changing her look. I'm really behind her. And uh, I guess uh, the, the uh, so, so three kind of nitpicks. Like I didn't. I also I didn't like how Zelina Vega beat Tony Storm. Like Tony Storm just debuted like on the main roster in NXT. I mean, granted it doesn't mean anything anymore, but like Tony Storm, like Zelina Vega hasn't done anything. <laughs> Why'd you make her lose? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're not the masterminds behind the storyline of uh, SmackDown, so I guess they have something in store for her. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's just too bad, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, well, no, I don't think they have anything in store. This is just how it is. Uh, because I, you know, I think Vince doesn't really. I don't know. Maybe it's like backstage. I don't think it's just Vince, but like that backstage crew doesn't seem to care about women's wrestling and on SmackDown because this is kind of the norm. They get like two minute matches and nothing seems to progress and there's no real continuity with it. And like. Yeah, I, I do. I do feel bad again. Like Liv Morgan was building up momentum, mm-hmm. and like Tony Storm could build up some momentum, and then randomly loses. And then uh, the last thing I want to just nitpick about, I don't, I don't know how you feel about it. Like, how do you feel about the Edge and Rollins thing? Them fighting again? Yeah, and what are they having a hell in cell in Crown Jewel? In cell, yeah. Uh. I mean, I guess it is what it is. I mean, they could have put someone else uh, against either of them in a different match and maybe build another story from it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's is is it Crown Jewel that they're gonna fight in a cell for? You have to tell me. <laughs> I forgot. I don't so. know. I all I heard was Hell in a Cell, so I'm assuming they're gonna fight in Hell in a Cell. But I don't even remember when Hell in a Cell is gonna be. Because the next one is, uh, was it Night of Champions or can't something of Champions? I think it's Survivor Series, right? I don't remember. What was the bracket that they were doing? Uh, that was King of the Ring, I believe. King of the Ring, I see. And they don't, they don't have the King of the Ring uh, thingy anymore. They don't okay. have the King of the Ring uh, pay-per-view anymore. Yeah, I remember that. So, oh, they're just combining it with a different pay-per-view now? Um, I guess. Like, it just ends in a weird way. Hmm. Well, let me but, see. Other than that, yeah. I, I feel like uh, uh, the storyline could have went somewhere else, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird having uh, Rollins like, enter Edge's house and, you know, sitting around, lounging around, taking... It was a horrible segment, by the way. I hated that segment. Do something, Seth. Like, who the hell? Like, who the hell invades a house to eat an apple? Or, or get some juice? <laughs> so, oh, let me look at the fridge. I'm hungry. It's like... that's that's always the thing that's kind of bugged me about Rollins. Why I never really thought he was a main eventer. Like, it's it, he did the same thing in the thir- in WrestleMania 31 when he cashed in. Mm-hmm. Like, you just see him like standing up there. And like for a good five, what felt like 10, 20 minutes, it probably was like five. He just like ran up there, stood at the top of the ramp and just posed over and over again. 
put the belt down, and then put it back up, put the belt down, and then put it back up. And it's just like, you're just doing the same thing. Do something else. I don't know what he would do, like, to be honest, but, like, do something. <laughs> like, look cool. Like, look cool. Like, look cool. Like, he looks so lame, I thought, in WrestleMania 31, just posing up there looking like an idiot. And then, and then, yeah, he breaks into his house and does nothing. It's so lame. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not, and that, and that's my, and that's my uh, last complaint. It's, I'm not into the Edge and Rollins thing at all. Like they had two really good matches. That, and that's cool. Like, just end it there. Save it for WrestleMania of anything. Like, why do it again? Like, three pay-per-views in a row. Ah. Uh. I'm, you can't see me now, but I'm just shrugging because I I don't follow this. So I guess whoever the mastermind of this uh, sees a, a money grab for both for that match is uh, looking. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, yeah, overall, I th- I thought it was an okay show. Like, I mean, again, I'm really bummed about Liv Morgan that's about it and yeah again not really into this <laughs> edge and rollins thing again like i i know a lot of people praise this uh feud back in the day i think this was 2011 so jesus christ 10 years ago i was not into the randy Orton and christian feud i just, i hate it when they repeat these feuds like over and over again it, it, yeah, yeah that, that's just me i'm just not into that i mean um, we're not in that era anymore thank god yeah, I mean it's just different guys, but it's the same <laughs> same kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Anyways, last thing I want to quickly talk about. Uh, it came out today. I think uh, I want to say Russell. Uh, I, you know what? I'm not gonna say the source because I don't remember. But uh, the, a report came out today, basically saying that Roman Reigns has become the top heel merch seller of all time. And this, his his merch sales have actually reached the level of John Cena at his peak. And the reason why I bring that up is because, like I'm, I mentioned it in a previous episode, but like I, one of the biggest like missed opportunities, like of all time in, in wrestling history, is never turning John Cena heel. And one of the reasons why that was given of why he never turned heel it was like oh well we can't risk the merch sales you know falling off a cliff because he's going to be an evil guy and he's not going to sell as much merch holla fucking luya roman reigns did it he's the top heel and he and he is the top merch seller and you know it just shows you like it's not about being the good guy or the bad guy or in this case you know it is about being the bad guy but if you book a guy strong make him look like a badass make him feel cool make him feel important make him feel like a fucking star you're they're gonna sell merch and uh, yeah just the biggest missed opportunity by the by wwe and vince mcmahon like People call him a genius, but fuck, he's flubbed a lot of he's flubbed a lot of stuff for sure. <sighs> I mean, shoot, I mean, I mean, it's great that uh, Roman Reigns is getting all this publicity, but yeah, it took it took a while for him to be honest. But hmm, to be honest, I don't know. I can't. I mean, we lived through uh, John Cena being faced for. I don't even know how many years now, but 
yeah I don't, for me personally i don't know how i would feel if he ever turned heel i mean then again if he turned heel now i wouldn't mind as a kid i might think differently i, I mean like you know i think i think the, that's it that ship has sailed he, i think he's a forever face now just because like yeah. he, he's not gonna be around much so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter anymore but like i think i was about to say something but i just lost my train of thought but like i think yeah, again roman and what oh yeah one of the reasons why it took roman so long to be to feel like the star they didn't want to turn him heel <laughs> guess what when he turned heel he became the biggest fucking star in the in the entire uh in the entire company and like it, it's gotten to the point where like brock lesnar like usually when brock lesnar comes back the guy he's feuding with has to get to his level like it's a brock's level brock's got to come back now and get to roman's level that's how big roman feels nowadays and like how successful this this heel run has been for roman and you know the, i, I want to give him some credit because at least like vince is letting like actually allowing this to happen but like as far as i know as far as i've like read about the reports vince has been pretty hands-off with like with the rome with the roman heel run and i don't think it's a coincidence that is the best thing going in the in the entire company oh <laughs> uh, yeah are you gonna buy some uh, Roman merch? No, <laughs> I think a, I think a grown man wearing acknowledge me has sends uh sends some weird messages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, look... it's too it's too try hard. <laughs> I guess would be the word for it. Yeah, I'm looking at some of his merch. I I was thinking about um actually getting the uh, uh what was the what was it called? Head, head of the table. No, the bloodline shirt. Maybe, but, but like I don't, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I have enough shirts as it is. I, yeah, I, I don't want one. No, but for me personally, when I I wanted the bloodline shirt, but the more I look at it, it just looks too much. It's just because there's like cash everywhere, you know. It, it's too, it's too flashy. I guess you could say. Yeah um yes yeah, so, sorry roman for not buying your merch and making you even richer but like you know good good on what you're doing <laughs> like you are you are the best thing going in wwe and probably the only like one of the only bright spots from most of these shows nowadays yeah well uh, it's really missed opportunity like and you know i mean uh i guess put a spoiler alert here but like um I mean, a Suicide Squad, like Cena, Cena playing the bad guy, so good. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's ju- and it just makes me like sad that he never turned heel. It's like him being a delusional heel that thinks he's a baby. Because honestly, that character that he played, like John Cena, the honestly the bully dick head on that he was for most of his run, like. I mean that's a heel character, and if you if you simply portrayed him as a heel, like I mean that that's cash money right there. Like Hulk Hogan revitalized the entire industry by turning heel in 1996. Mm-hmm. Like you have examples of this, and Vince just never did it. Like Cena actually wanted to do it when he faced The Rock, but they like he Vince got cold feet and ugh, missed opportunities. Was that the recent match, or was that years ago? 
decent match. <laughs> they they okay. haven't faced since what 2012, I think. Y- yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2013, I think it was. It was the yeah. It was the one before WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about this. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Not really, but we did linger a little longer than <laughs> I expected, to be honest. Well, you know, it was two games uh, we had to go over, and we yeah. did talk about, you know, your great experience at uh, Friday Night SmackDown. By the way, Jason Jones was there, too. A lot of people were there. No way. Jason Jones, really? He was there. Dang. I, did, I didn't notice, because I, I was expecting, uh, if uh, for your 49ers fans, uh, George Kittle, because I, I remember he was there for TLC the last time I went to the SAP Center. Him and Cotton, actually, yeah. They don't, they don't have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he was there. There were, like there were a lot of people there. But, uh, yeah, um, I didn't want to go just because I, I don't, especially since I'm not going to Raw, like, I don't want to take a day off to go to San Jose to watch the show because it was on a, it was on a Friday. And, yeah, and you, and we probably, I, we will probably have to leave early, which means I have to take a day off, and I don't think it's Oh, yeah. the day off to go see Friday Night Smackdown so yeah. that's just me I'm a hater so yeah there was traffic let's just say and it kind of annoyed me <laughs> because I am not used to bay traffic uh not since uh, you know pre-covid yeah okay um if you don't have anything else let's just call it off right here then uh, thank you guys for listening to this uh, jumbo-sized episode, and we should be getting back to you guys. When is the next game, actually? I have not checked. Let's see. It's it is on the 14th, so three days from now on, I believe Thursday. I don't think I'm, I don't think we're gonna come out with an episode on Thursday, but we should come out with one probably Friday evening or something like that. Oh yeah. For sure. Unless we do another, you know, two-game episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, I want to actually get your awards predictions and, honestly, regular season predictions. Oh, that's right. So we're going to – we're definitely going to do an episode. Okay, I guess we'll see you guys later. <laughs>